This is Alan Olson's America Dreams, the keys to life success, where we talk about how to live the life that you want to live. And this is Nadine Camera. What are your dreams? What do you want out of life? It's good to have you back here, Nadine. Well, thank you for having me. And welcome to today's show. We're going to be talking about the relationship factor. Interesting, isn't it? Joel DeCuster that will be stopping by a little later. Joel DeCuster, and he focuses on how to build better, stronger relationships in your businesses so that you can make your business thrive. Well, you know, I I have had a marketing coach in my real estate business, and they are quite exceptional, something you really should consider if you need to do some more marketing or, or grow your business. You know, you find that as you uh, as you look out there, the difference between a business that's succeeding and that one that's struggling to make it is usually building the accountability factor within your company. And uh, and that's really what Joel does. He helps to build accountability within the company so that you know people are doing what they said that they would do. Exactly. And I, I'm one of those that need that person calling me up and how are you doing? Making me accountable because when you're self-employed, it, you don't have a boss right there with you. And even when you're not self-employed, you might be running a business, for instance, to keep your, your employees accountable. It is, it is different. It does motivate you because you keep your word. When you make, uh, when you say, "Well, I will do this and I will do that," then you you're forced to stay accountable. Mm-hmm. Well, we look forward to having Joel with us shortly. But before that, I like to go into a leadership moment, and that is avoid the poison of discouragement. You know, when uh, one of my friends was young, he went out to visit his grandparents' farm. He loved to ride horses and the tractors and to play in the barn. On one visit to the house when he was nine years old, he was out in the barn and saw Pitchfork laying up against several bales of hay. So as a nine-year-old would be curious, he was having fun watching his grandfather previous to that jam the Pitchfork into the bales of hay. And uh, so he decided that he was going to set out and and uh, play around with the Pitchfork and the hay. And uh, so as he picked up the fork, he uh, threw it into the bale of hay and... Um, he decided that what he needed was more leverage, so he put his foot on the bale of hay, and on the next thrust into the uh, the, the bale, the pitchfork went right through his tennis shoe and into his foot. Wow. Uh, it hurt. Yeah. It hurt real bad. But but he had he had his pride there and didn't want anyone to know what, what had just happened. So feeling embarrassed, he decided he would not say anything to his parents or grandparents. And... Um, you know, went to the house, took off his shoe, looked at his puncture wound, and uh, he saw that there was there was damage there to the foot. But still, he swallowed his pride and decided that he'd keep it to himself. Well, what he didn't realize is that there was a, a fair amount of bacteria that had got into the wound. And the following day, his uh, leg began hurting like a pulled muscle. The second day, he tried to go swimming with his friends, but a sharp pain began to run through his leg when he dipped it into the water. He was miserable, but he did his best to hide the pain. Wow. His father, after the next day or two, began to notice him limping around, and uh, when he found out what had happened, he rushed him off to the hospital, where the doctor informed him that he had tendonitis. Um, He was quickly given an injection of penicillin, and his body began to fight off the disease. When my friend entered the hospital, he had poison in his leg, and poisons caused pain, illness, and even death. 
And just as my friend had a poison in his life, we too can have poisons in our life, you know, that affects our everyday decision. Discouragement is one of those poisons that is common in our society today. Especially with this economy. I think there are many that are that are discouraged and it's really depressing. It's becoming depressing for them. You know, I, I think when you look at it life, it's uh it, it it's easy to get discouraged, and there's a lot of uncertainty today. Uh, I hear that the uh, the home homes are the foreclosures are continuing to rise. People are saying the stock market's coming back. Some say it's not coming back. Uh, but the reality is, uh, you know, whatever the the optimism outlook. If you're if you're in a situation where you have a lost job or you're you live, you're behind on your bills, it can be quite discouraging. Especially if you're nearing retirement. Let's look at this. The stock market, many people have their retirement in 401ks, and they've watched their 401k go down to worthlessness. Their home value has depleted, and here they're nearing retirement, and they're very discouraged at, you know, how am I going to be able to retire when the time comes? You know, I, and, and so to that I say that if you're facing all these uncertainties, you can't let it get you down. Right. Um, there was an, an individual that I met recently, and he was facing a home foreclosure. His uh, he had a first and second mortgage, and his his first mortgage, the uh, the home value was less than that. So the second mortgage was clearly out. And he said, uh, "You know, I need some advice from you. What should I do?" And I said, "Well, what do you want to do?" And he says, "Well, he says I can't pay the second off." He said, "I said, well, then don't pay it off." And I said, "Where are you working right now?" He says, "I'm not." Oh. And I said, well, why aren't you working? He says, well, I'm afraid to go back to work because all the bill collectors will come after me. And I said, so what do you see yourself, or where do you see yourself being three to five years from now? He says, I don't know. And uh, I said, well, why don't you think it through? Because one of the things that I often have people come into my office as a CPA, we, we sit down and we talk about um, life. And we're all on this timeline of life. And we may be discouraged with what we see before us right now. But one thing that's going to continue to go on is our time. And if we don't have any plan or any path of where we want to be within the next three to five years, our time will slip by us. And then the three to five years will come. And then we'll look out ahead of us again in the next three to five years. And uh, before we know it, we're going to be at a situation where we're going to look back at our life and say, did we do the things that we wanted to do? Right. Um, there was a, uh, talking about retirement, my father-in-law, he was the uh, superintendent of the Fremont Unified School District here. Um, he spent a good career, a real stressful career, but it was a good career. And he did a lot of things to get the school districts in line with what needed to be done and budgets, balance, etc. And he said, as he looked before him, he looked at the people ahead of him and says that they had retired when it was too late. Uh, right after, soon after their retirement, their health had failed, and they spent most of their time trying to take care of their, their health That's needs. Right. And so he says, I'm going to do this right, and before I get 65, which is the mandatory retirement age, I'm going to retire at roughly between 62 to 63 years old and give myself a little bit more window. Within six months of his retirement, he found out that he had uh, cancer, colon wow. cancer. And uh, 
all of a sudden, all these dreams that he put out looking at life, he realized his mortality. And uh, so he did his best to take care of it. But it certainly changed the perspective. He was no longer worried about, am I going to have enough for retirement, to am I going to get over the challenge and obstacle before us? Right, right. And it's good when you make goals to put that into perspective. You know, we never know when physical illnesses might affect us. And so to, to, to also plan for that as well, to make sure you're prepared with savings, um, things of that nature that might help if, if something, a physical illness strikes us. Well, let's not forget that as we as we go through life and time, and we're going to be getting back to to Joel on this relationship factor, that there are so much there is so much impact that we can make to the individuals that surround us. We have a unique set of gifts, we have a unique set of talents, and in spite of what's going on externally, yeah, we may be facing behind being behind on the bills, or homes are in foreclosures, or loss of a job. We may have all these bad things happening to us, but that doesn't mean that our attitude needs to go down with it. Um, there was an individual during World War II uh, stayed in concentra- concentration camps. His name was Victor Frankl, and he wrote a book called Man's Search for Meaning. And Victor, uh, every day he would see in the concentration camps as he suffered through this horrific atrocity, uh, atrocity uh, he would see people dying around him. And um, one day the guards noticed that... Uh, you know, Victor always seemed to be very positive, happy. And they asked, I said, how can you be happy? With everything happening around you, people dying within the barracks every night, how can you, ha- how can you stay cheerful like this? Mm-hmm. And uh, he said this. He says, um, I learned as I've gone through this environment. He says, one thing that nobody can take away from me. Although they can take all my physical possessions and put these hardships on me, they cannot take away the way I decide to feel today. And he says, I control my feeling, I control my attitude, and nobody around me has the right to get me down but myself. And so with that, if I choose to be happy, I'm going to be happy, and I'm going to let people know around me that life is great, and they have that same free agency within themselves. Well, I bet you he had a lot of friends, well, because ha- happiness can be infectious. <laughs> well, reflecting on the confidence that we have in our own abilities and relating them to our current circumstances is a sure way to ward off discouragement when we come across our challenges in life. So, well, put, well put, Alan. Thank you. So we're going to have Joel DeCuster coming on just a few minutes. Uh, we'll be right back after these messages. Welcome back. This is Alan Olson. I'm here today with Joel DeCuster. Uh, Joel's a personal marketing coach uh, helping individuals in the service business develop better relationships to grow their business. Joel, can you tell me more about your business and how you got started in the, uh, in, in the field that you're in? Sure. Well, um, having been in the business world for a long time and having worked with a lot of service professionals, I realized their biggest challenge was finding new customers and keeping them. And a lot of them, because they tend to be a bit of a left-brained individual, didn't have those right-brain marketing techniques, and so it kind of frightened them. So what I decided to do was develop a program that was easy and effortless for them where they could use their own unique, natural marketing skills to be able to relate to people and build relationships. Because as you know, the real key factor for 
someone hiring you in a service business is the relationship you have with them, is the value that you create with them. And so I've been able to grow a thriving practice working with CPAs, attorneys, financial advisors, and other professional service providers to help them find those clients and keep them. Do, do you have any um, computer a software that you advise, um, that you use with them or that you train them with? Sure. Actually, I work with them to develop a plan because most of these guys don't have a plan for the future that they want to have. And so in doing that, uh, we develop a plan that outlines their goals and their objectives, what they want to achieve, especially from a marketing perspective. And then we put it on a Google Doc. And with Google Docs, you can actually collaborate one with another on the same document. And it's how I hold them accountable by being able to look at their plan, look at how well they're doing, look at their scorecards, see if they're meeting their objectives, and support them if they're not. So it's, it's a great online system, and it's free, <laughs> thanks to Google. You know, I, I love, the, I love the, uh, the, the, the accountability part here. Uh, yesterday, I listened to a CPA who's a managing partner of a firm with over 500 employees. And in his firm, he has two personal coaches. Hmm. Uh, but having somebody come out in from the outside and make the CEO of the organization accountable is meaningful because it, it, it draws their benchmarks. And what they said they do, have they met what they, what they right. set out to do? Well, I think accountability is the secret sauce to success. Uh, you can put together a great plan. Um, but if you're not executing, if you're not being accountable to that plan, doing what you say you will do, then it's all for naught. And it can actually work against you by destroying your confidence. So I find that by holding them accountable, by supporting them on a regular monthly basis, they're able to see their progress. It's like playing a baseball game and you've got a score. If there's no score, if there's no score card, it's a pretty dull game. And so... For these professional service providers to be effective, they need to know if they're winning or losing, and accountability is the way in which I help them do that. Joe, what, what marketing trends do you see out there in this uh, in, in the San Francisco Bay Area? Well, it's interesting. You know, uh, social media is all the buzz, um, and I think it might be great for younger markets. I think for consumer markets, it's probably a, a, a great marketing tool, but only one of many, along with broadcast and print and direct mail and all the other things that are out there. But when it comes to relationship building, when it comes to professional service providers, um, the trend that I'm seeing is back towards old, old school things versus the new school high-tech digital stuff. People want relationships with other individuals. They want to work with people they know and they trust and they like. They want to work with someone who creates value for them. So trying to sell them through slick ads and social media, this and that and what have you, just really doesn't resonate for them in what they're looking for. They want a value or a relationship based on value creation. You know, it's interesting. I uh, it, it was just yesterday. I got a new iPhone, and so I took my old iPhone. I gave it to my wife, and I said, "Look at this 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 phone that you now have. You can check your email, and they could get phone calls before with what she had, but she couldn't get the email bit." And uh, I said, "Put it in your pocket, and uh, and you know, people can stay in touch with you more." She says, 
I don't want to carry that. <laughs> and I said, no, honey. I said, you know, you can answer emails, you know, just in time, you know, as they come to you. And she says, no. She says, uh, I would rather talk to the person right. than to the computer. Right. And I think with one thing I see this trend in social media is that uh, I heard this comment that the younger generation that's focused in on all this texting, uh, the email, that, that they're having difficult in the, the actual social skills. The one-on-one. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think it's interesting. It'll be really interesting to see how the future unfolds with it. But right now, um, professional service providers and the vast majority of their clients aren't 22 or 27-year-olds. Um, and they don't really have a lot of time to be online to exchange niceties or, you know, to do all the thing that everybody is doing online. Um, they have a lot of work to do. And so they're looking for individuals, service providers that can create value and help them achieve you know, their goals and objectives. And that tends to be a face-to-face -face sort of thing. You know, Joel, I want to jump back. You mentioned something a little earlier about you help individuals understand the concept of relationship marking, which is threefold, you know, getting a person to know you and like you and trust you. How do you how do you accomplish that? Let's just take the first one. Like, how do you get a person to like you? Well, I think you get people to like you by being who you really are. And many service providers think they have to be somebody different. They think they have to be some sort of rainmaker and dazzle them with sparkling conversation. And in reality, that's not what people are looking for. What they're looking for these days is authenticity, uh, credibility. And as I keep mentioning, value. Uh, for someone to like you, you have to have a sense that they truly care about you. They really care about you progressing rather than the person trying to sell you something. And when, when someone feels like someone cares about them, they're much more apt to want to you know, put their arms around them. That's good thoughts there. Um, Joel, you had mentioned professional service providers. What, what type of uh, providers do you give your service to? What, what type of um, industries or professions do you help with your marketing techniques? I tend to focus mainly on CPAs for the most part. I find they're the ones that really need this the most, uh, mainly because their industry is becoming commoditized. And they've kind of allowed that to happen. And many of them who are used to business just coming through the door, especially with firms that perhaps are more expensive than others, are not seeing that steady flow of new business come in anymore because people are buying based on price. So what I try to help them understand is that relationship trumps price. If you have a relationship with someone they're not going to leave you no matter how cheap someone else tries to be because they derive too much value from that relationship. So with CPAs in particular, it's teaching them how to generate value on behalf of their clients and on behalf of their prospects. And to do that, in many cases, what I have them do is actually demonstrate it to a prospect through a special technique that I had called a clarity conversation that gets a CPA to look into their future. Joel, I, I have a question for you. So a CPA is a certified public accountant, right? Right. Do you know the difference between counting and accounting? 
counting and accounting? Yeah. <laughs> Tell us, Alan, okay. what's the difference so, between counting so and count, uh, accounting? Counting, you do one, two, three, four. Accounting, you do a one, a two, a three, a four. <laughs> So, so I, I have to bring this back because uh, you know there's there's stereotype with accountants, and this is good when you're walking an accountant through the process, right? You know, but how do you how do you drive the uh, the, the the process to get the accountant to move from the technician to the relationship seller? Yeah, well, you know, um, it's all inside of them. It's just kind of buried in many cases. I mean, some are much more prone to be relationship-oriented. The others, it's just a matter of asking the right questions to help them come and discover for themselves what their natural marketing style is. Now, some accountants are really great teachers, and what they should do to market their businesses is teach. You know, hold seminars, do this, do that, anything that allows them to teach as a way of conveying their value, as a way of demonstrating their value to others. Um, others, you know, have, uh, I have one CPA who just happens to be very social. And uh, I have encouraged her to use her social skills in, in creating outings, taking clients on spa days, going golfing, doing this, doing that, inviting people to the theater, as a way for her to form relationship. Everybody has a unique thing about them. Everyone has a unique ability. And my job is to help them discover that unique ability and really be able to bring it out in their way of creating relationships. And everybody is different in that process. So that that's really good uh, good thoughts there. I think that uh, I guess the more you are yourself in in summary, the more it will bring to light the um, your ability to develop a true relationship and friendship there. We have to take a quick break, Joe, but we'd like okay. to have you on the the next segment and talk more about relationship marketing with Joel DeCuster. We'll be right back after these messages. Welcome back. We're here today with Joel DeCuster of The Relationship Factor. Joel's business focuses on developing better relationships and marketing techniques for professional service firms. So, Joel, uh, as we were talking before, you're mentioning the fact that you work primarily with accountants and attorneys on uh, helping them become better in their marketing techniques and growing their businesses. What type of um, processes have you found the most successful there? You know, I'd have to say that uh, uh, I use a process with them uh, to, first of all, get them focused on their top 20 relationships. Uh, it's interesting how many don't prioritize their contacts. And as a result, they're not really relating to these people on a consistent, regular, frequent basis. So I first of all get them focused on who their top 20 are, and that's the top 20 that can represent revenue over the next 90 days. And then I have them go out and meet with those individuals by hosting what I call a clarity conversation. And this is a conversation that really gets them focused on the future of their business and where they want to take it, helps them understand what could be an obstacle, what could be a danger that would need to be eliminated so that they're their business can grow and develop. It gets them really focused on what the key opportunities are that they want to leverage, and also to help them come to understand what their own personal strengths are that can best be used in developing relationships with these people. 
So by getting them out there, getting them traction right away, rather than teaching them lots of skills and techniques and the this is and the that's, they're out there meeting with their top 20, hosting these conversations, and these conversations that are all focused on their client or their prospect then lead toward the next conversation, which has to do about forming a more formal relationship between them. So are you familiar with the pair two principle? The pair two? Pair two principle where the top uh, 80% of your business comes from the top oh, 20% yes. of your clients. Yeah, right. Yeah. So how how uh, how easy is that really to uh, to replicate when you're looking at the target market and telling them to go put some more business together? Yeah. Well, I think part of the problem is they really don't know who their target market is. And one of the things that I have them do up front is really define who their target profile is. I actually have them create a, a poster of an individual with a name. Uh, this is a real live person who is the, you know, essentially the poster child of who they're trying to sell to. And when I can get them to do that, then it becomes amazingly clear for them as to who they should be targeting. So rather than casting a broad net, they're using a rifle to go after, you know, their intended victims, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, the people they want to be doing business with. And I find when they do that, not only are they more focused in going after their market, but the people that support them and help them are also more focused in who to refer to them. So, you know, part of the problem is people say, oh, I need more business. And they say, well, what kind of business do you want? And they're like, whatever, anything, I'll take anything. Well, then I don't know how to help you if you'll take care of anything. But if you can tell me specifically what your target profile is, then I can draw into my memory banks upon everybody I know that fits that profile. And by doing it, their leads and referrals really start to come in. That's interesting, moving from a, a shotgun to a rifle approach then. Very much so. Yeah. Uh, you had mentioned uh, CPAs, uh, attorneys. Uh -huh. um, also, I believe uh, prior when we were off air, you said financial advisors right. are who you focus on. I had been a financial advisor for a few years mm -hmm. as well as I'm a realtor now. And I go back to my training um, as a financial advisor, many times it was ask for the business. Again, focus on your top tier and then ask for the business. Is that something that you encourage when you have this conversation or um, you know, any other marketing processes that you might use uh, that are successful? You know, I don't believe in closing. And maybe that's because I have a, a traditional view of what closing is all about. I really think if you have the right conversations with the prospect, they'll ask to become a client. And the techniques that I teach professional service providers is one where they're creating so much value, treating them so much like a client before they ever really become one, that the prospect doesn't want to lose them, that they want to hang on to them and they want to continue to explore the value that relationship brings to them. People get so worked up about having to close somebody. That's what makes them all nervous and weird. And um, when you're in that kind of state, people can sense that. I find that your confidence kind of dips when you're all, you know, full of angst and, you know, concern. And I want people's confidence to be up and I want it to be bright. And when they do that, the relationship, the attraction that it creates for that prospect just escalates dramatically. 
So does so, it bring in the re- referral businesses? Uh, I mean, for referral, they don't. You don't have them asking for referral business. They just automatically refer. Well, I mean, because a lot of this can be done with referral. Yeah, uh, I actually have them asking a lot for referrals. Yeah. But when it comes to closing a client, like you need to do business with me, rather than making it kind of staging it into a setup to get them to commit. It's more of a natural process where they've pretty much committed before you even get to that point. So we're here today talking with Joel DeCustard of The Relationship Factor. He can be found at therelationshipfactor.com. I guess there's no done. It's just relationshipfactor.com. Joel, going back to this, uh, the, the concept of you starting a business, there's a lot of listeners out there that are between jobs thinking, I want to get something going. Let's talk about your personal experience of doing your business. What what drove you into personal marketing coach? Well, I spent about 25 years in sales and marketing in the Silicon Valley. And uh, after my partners and I sold our dot-com, I decided that I'd had enough with the 24-7 lifestyle. And I wanted to be home. I have six kids. And I wanted to be a part of their lives for the ones that were still left there. So I set out to create a business that I could control, where I could control the schedule, where I could do as I chose to do. And that's exactly what I did. I have to mention, it wasn't easy. It took a number of years to get it to the point where it was self-sustaining. Luckily, through the dot-com sale, I had a financial foundation to stand upon to be able to do this. Um, But I found, uh, because I tried a couple of things up front, and everything I tried wasn't really true to who I was and what I was all about, to my unique ability. And when I finally realized that and decided to go ahead and do what it was I really loved doing, uh, everything started to come together. And for me, it was marketing. I cannot help myself but get in front of someone, even if they're not a professional service provider. I have a a friend that has a roofing company, and the other day I sat him down and said, okay, how's it going, and how could you make it better, and gave him this whole plan for how to market his roofing business. So it's just something inside of me that, like, really wants to come out. And when you can discover what that unique ability is, and for me it's, it's growing people, it's growing organizations, and I find marketing is the way to grow them. So, Joel, do you feel part of what you do, though, is also being the psychiatrist of <laughs> bringing out within the individual things that they they don't understand about themselves? Right. Well, you know, coaches aren't allowed to say that they're therapists, but <laughs> I'm the therapist to many CEOs and, and business people. Uh, I try to keep away from the personal stuff, but sometimes you kind of get drug into it. Um, but yes, I find that all the answers they need are within. And all I do is ask the right questions to start getting it to come out of them. Most men in particular, especially business owners, feel very isolated, very alone, because they can't share their fears with the people around them for fear of you know, denting their confidence in the business. And so having someone like me gives them someone that they can come clean with, that they can tell the truth to, because they know it's not going to go anywhere. So, Jill, tell us, for the listeners, how can they contact you if they want to come learn more about how to use the relationship factor? Sure. They can contact me uh, at my website. My email address is joel at relationshipfactor.com. 
uh, and my contact information is there. It's probably the easiest way. They can call me at 408-314-1941. Um, you know, would love to talk to them. Why don't you give that number again? Sure. 408-314-1941. Joel, it's been a pleasure having you today here on the show, learning about how we can better sell and improve what we do in front of other people. And I, I wholeheartedly endorse what you're doing. Uh, I think it's all about the relationships, and the stronger the relationships, the more effective you are at selling and doing business with others. Thanks for being here. You're welcome. Thank you. We'll be right back after these messages. Welcome back. We just finished in, finished talking with Joel DeCuster here. Relationship um, management. Let, let me ask you something, Alan. You've been pretty successful with your CPA business and, and with marketing. If one of our listeners is thinking about starting a business, uh, what do you think they should do about beginning their marketing process? You know, it, it's an interesting um concept marketing and I'll tell you a story that happened to me uh, I have been working down in San Jose doing a 50 minute commute each way so roughly a little under two hours out of my life every day spent on the freeway and decided that uh, if I was going to follow my path of where I wanted to be then I didn't need this commute I would just you know get something five minutes from the house and so um so I quit my job, and I, I sought out to uh, to associate with a, a CPA firm, and I came across uh, Maury Greenstein. And there was about three or four other firms that had interest, but I decided to go with Maury and uh, his partner, Barry, at the time, and uh, because I felt that there was something there that, that fit to what I wanted to see in the, the profile for my long-term career. Um, so I came to work. And, uh, the, you know, Maury and Barry gave me a, a desk in an empty office with a telephone. And I showed up, and I'm like, I'm here. I'm a, a big four manager, and I got all this experience. And isn't it wonderful that I have joined this CPA firm? And my desk stayed empty. No work. The phone did not ring. <laughs> and after it was about after the first week or ten days, I suddenly realized this is not really what I thought it would be. Uh, I said that if I'm going to really um, keep this job here, I it, I needed to do something. I I could not depend on other people. So marketing. That's what I did. So I got on the phone and I started to assess uh, where can I go to develop my marketing skills. And uh, I thought about who did I know, where were my relationships, where were, where was my network. And so I began to call my friends and let them know that I'd gone to a new firm, here here I am, and if you, they know of anyone looking for some CPA services, love to talk to them. And uh, they all said, well, that's nice, Alan, but we're busy, and and uh, we're not sure that we have anyone for the, you know, the, the immediate need or future. There was a few that came along, though. Um, so I decided what I would do is um, I would, I'd have to be a little bit more innovative, uh, developing some new strategic relationships and where I needed to be. So what kind of methods did you find successful in your business? Well, it was interesting. I, I, I thought, well, where does a small business owner go when they're trying to start up? And I thought the Fremont Chamber of Commerce. So I thought that's where I need to go. 
I need to to go into a some type of association where I can get with people of like mind. So I drove down to the Fremont Chamber and I said, you know, I'm here and I need some new clients. Uh-huh. And they said, well, that's nice, but what do you want us to do? <laughs> and I said, well, okay, help me out, guys. What do I need to do here? And they said, well, why don't you go join a committee? And I said, which one? I, said, I don't know. There's five of them there, Alan. Do you go decide which committee you want to join. So I saw something that said economic development. And I said, that's the business that I need I, because they're going to give me lots of clients. So I got into this economic development committee. Uh-huh. There was another financial planner. There was a newspaper salesman, and there were two telephone salespeople. And uh, there was a committee of, I guess we, we comprised of five people there. Uh-huh. And every week we would come to this meeting, and every one of us would look at each other and say, do you have any business for me? <laughs> and, uh, and it wasn't working. So about the third week, I said, guys, this isn't working. I said, you don't have what I need, and you know, and I don't have what you need, and uh, our, our networks are just not helping each other. And uh, and they threw this back at me and said, well, what do you want to do, Alan? And I said, well, let's go figure something out that draws a bigger network. And so we went out, and uh, I, I came up with the idea. I said, well, what we're looking for in our business is we want people that have money. And uh, because my concept is that when you start a business, you're putting a transaction cost between two people changing money or some type of financial transaction. Uh-huh. You take a small transaction cost there. So um, I said that the people that I know that have the most money in this community are the bankers. Right. And uh, so I said, we're going to put on a breakfast with the bankers. And I went down to the three bank presidents in, uh, in Fremont and invited them to come speak on breakfast with the bankers. And this this topic was no longer about me or the committee members, but it was drawing the interest of what other people could get by coming to this meeting. Exactly, because there's plenty of community members that are interested in what's going on with banking, mm-hmm. especially business owners, because they uh, they need small business loans. Uh, they're, you know, uh, so interest it, rates, mortgage loans for me as far as real estate. Mm-hmm. There's always something of interest uh, when it comes to banking. So what happened is we, we put on this announced uh, breakfast with the bankers. 70 people show up. Oh, Our committee of five went to 70 people, and the room was only designed for 30. Yeah, that's a pretty good turnout. There. Yeah, we couldn't yeah. get people in the room. And they're like, Alan, this is amazing. Look what happened here. And a person came up to me and said, I'd like to join one of your connection clubs. And I said, what's that? And they said, well, that's where, two, you know, that, that's where a group of people come together and for the purpose of networking and helping each other. Right. And I said, well, I thought I was trying to do that, but obviously we had the wrong brand. So we, uh, we went to breakfast, and I took the financial planning guy with me, and um, we decided that we would organize the connection clubs for – the Fremont Chamber of Commerce. Wow! So it was you that started it. Well, it, it I but I don't take the full credit because what happened is we found there was a lot of people that had the similar concept. They just didn't know how to get it executed, and um, we took and organized five clubs. And uh-huh. on day one, we went back to the Fremont Chamber Board of Directors and we said, "We're here to announce the creation of the Fremont Connection Clubs." And um, and we asked for the board's blessing, and they they said 
you got it. And uh, these five clubs started. They still run today after 20 years. Wow. And, yeah. and they're very successful. Now, the irony there, I never joined one. <laughs> Alan! <laughs> <laughs> but I went on to... Um, and, and the reason I didn't, because I took another role in the community as the president of a service club. Uh, but those connection clubs, their very existence today indicates that they do fill a need. So people that are starting out small business not knowing where to start, I'd suggest going down to the Fremont Chamber or your local Chamber of Commerce and joining one of these networking clubs and getting your network going because it's it's all about the relationship and who you know, who you like, who you trust. you got to stay in front of people week after week. What about social media? What, how do you feel about that? Social media is an interesting uh, interesting concept. Um, what I find that it works for some, but not for all. For, for me, it works with the younger generation. Yeah. I have some clients, it's all social media, it's all electronic, it's all text. Um, as far as contact, and, and even in real estate now, we're all electronic. We can sign documents by email, you know, DocuSign, and... And there's not as much face-to-face contact except for when you're showing the homes, you know. Uh, but um, social media does play a big part with the newer generation. That, do you feel that in your own business? Yeah, and I, I do agree with the newer generation. In fact, we have a video that went viral. We do uh, we have a, a site called Groco Accounting, mm-hmm. and uh, there's a section called Accounting Jokes. And we had a CPA in our firm. Uh, we videotaped him one day about all these accounting jokes. And the stereotype for the CPA is that they're boring, they're dry, and this individual was a perfect example of what our profession represents. So uh, the, as as it went, he uh, he did the taping, and uh, we put this thing up on the, the um, Internet, on YouTube, and uh, all of a sudden, people across the nation began to watch the individual's name was Steve the Joke Teller. <laughs> well, Steve I'll have, decided, to go, I'll have to take a look at that one. <laughs> Gro, yeah, uh, Groco accounting jokes. You can find it. But Steve, one day, he uh, didn't tell his family what he did. And his son was going to Berkeley, and he was on YouTube. All of a sudden, he comes across his dad telling jokes on the internet. Oh, and, how uh, funny! He comes home and says, "Dad, you never told me you were doing these accounting jokes." <laughs> <laughs> but it's uh, going viral on the internet. You, you, uh, it can happen real fast if you have something of unique content, and it gets your name out there too, as well as your brand. Yeah, yeah. So I think social media is something that anyone in the marketing area needs to look at and um, and and consider. Um. So, so these are some effective marketing strategies: joining, joining um, uh, chamber of commerce, getting active in some connection groups social media. Also, we had a a coach here, a marketing coach, uh, another effective way for marketing, wouldn't you say? Uh, The relationships is all what it's about, getting your brand out there. We have to take a quick break, Nadine, but we'll be right back after these messages. Welcome back to Alan Olson's America Dreams. We've been here talking with Nadine and uh, Joel DeCuster about marketing your business. So let's let's take a look at that. Um, we've we've spoke quite a bit on relationship marketing with Joel. Um, what are some? Where do you suggest individuals begin to network, Alan? I, I think the first place that they need to start is they need to decide who am I. You know who what what, what drives me and who, you know who do I like to hang out 
around. Um, you know, once a person finds out where their passions rest, and then they can put their associations with other individuals of like minds, they're able to drive a, a closer relationship much quicker. And uh, it's interesting, every one of us has different strokes that make us who we are. Um, as you begin to assess your network and who you like to hang around, where your passion is. Now, that may be you, you may have a, uh, you know, a, a passion in your, your church, mm-hmm. uh, feeling that you have a close association with those around you. You may have something in a community service club like a rotary. Uh, you may be a collector. Or you may be an individual that has a, a hobby like uh, model trains um, or working with, with the Boy Scouts or the Girl Scouts. But assess where do you like to spend your, your spare time? And then as you begin to develop that um, that understanding of where your passions rest, um, get to know the people around you. It, it, it isn't necessarily that every individual within that, that club is going to do business with you, but, uh, but they may know somebody who has that need in their individual life. Excellent, excellent. Um, what, uh, what, what are some ways, uh, and we'll recap here as well because we have discussed it, have, that you've been successful in your career with some networking and marketing well so if i go back the internet's kind of changed it's been a game changer today um in my business i was able to develop a roughly one and a half million dollar practice within five years and uh today i comprise about half of the uh the, the cpa firm revenue i have five partners there but it it came about with respect to um relationship marketing with respect to uh, making sure that you were delivering good service and helping other individuals accomplish where they need to be. Um, also empowering others. You cannot do this by yourself. You have to be able to empower those around you. So it's just not looking outside your organization, but also inside and uh, helping individuals understand that you're going to help them get to where they need to be in their life. Excellent, excellent. I agree. I agree with that, and um, I think that face-to-face relationships are the most important uh, for for driving business because people learn to know and trust you. You know, but, as you get out there, there's three things: they have to know you, they have to like you, and they have to trust you. And if they're feeling that they're all all those three things are coming together, it's never about the price. It's always about the level of trust within the organization, and within the personal relationship with you. So, Nadine, it's been a pleasure being with you today and talking about marketing and expanding your network. Thank you for having me, Alan. Thank you, and uh, we look forward to having you again next week, and also you listeners out there, join us again on Alan Olson's American Dreams.